Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 20 Ulfar Ragenbjorn and the Guardians of the Iron Kings. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Kevin Chenard's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> for having me oh yes sir thank you for being a guest on my show i'm so lucky to have back-to-back podcast celebrities as it were <laughs> celebrities yeah okay i wouldn't put us I mean, uh, on that one yet but uh we're getting there we're, we're working towards it awesome well would you like to introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about yourself yeah certainly uh i'm uh, kevin chenard i am a voice actor on the Chad of Fallout 76 podcast. Been doing minor voice acting work for about 10 years now, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's just small projects, actually. Uh, I've never really done anything like huge, like work for a particular company or anything like that, but close to, uh, to here with some friends that have like uh, small productions that do small podcasts, stuff like that. Something that I've, I've always aspired to do. And yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. And the Chad Fallout 76 podcast has been absolutely phenomenal. It's been great fun and it's a really great group of people that's awesome to hear i know particularly on the subject of dungeons and dragons there is a certain show critical role which features a whole cast of voice actors who are the player characters so i'm sure voice acting has become very popular and especially since you've been working on it the last 10 years that's fascinating so it's a rewarding experience then oh yeah for sure i mean uh, you meet a lot of great people uh you hear and see uh, so many great things. I mean, a lot of people think that voice acting is just like you get behind a mic and you start blurting out lines. And I feel that there's just so much more to it that people just don't see and understand behind it. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. It's just a lot of people, what they think is that like, oh, it's kind of like just acting, but you do so many things that you would not necessarily do in real life. Like, um, I, I have a few of my friends that I actually do like on stage acting and when they listen to the podcast, they can like change who they are, you know, like, like I was saying, you take decisions that you would never do in real life. Like you can act a different way. You can use a different voice. You can use different mannerisms. So it, it, it's like a, an escape for a lot of people. 
awesome and very much so the process and the fun that you get to have as a voice actor fits very nicely into Dungeons and Dragons which I have to ask do you currently play D&D or have you ever had any experience with the game? Yes, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for about, say, 20 years now. Started in my early teens where I was introduced to the game by a couple of my friends. And it's just grown on me ever since. It's become part of my life. I've met some of my greatest friends playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's just basically what also started me off on voice acting because I would play either characters or I have DM'd in the past as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing I would always love to do is is make my character as unique as possible. And by doing that, you know, you give them a certain way of acting. Some of the times I would give them the most outrageous voices and and it would be so much fun that's awesome and so have you played your way through all the various editions then since you've been you know a 20-year veteran i have played quite a lot of different versions of the game uh i did originally start with the old ad and d back wow. when it was all on percentiles and you had things that existed like Thacko instead of actual Mm -hmm. like to hit and you mentioned Thacko to someone who plays now who's only seen like maybe 3.5 and up and they're they're just completely lost as to what you're even talking about right no I've heard of that as well I watched it in some Matt Colville video but I even I still don't at this moment quite remember what Thacko is or how it works but yeah something about like having to roll twice to figure out whether or not you hit or how hard you hit yeah it it basically worked on the premise that you would calculate your Thacko it would be like a modifier that you would add to your dice to see if you would actually hit and deal damage Oh, wow. We sure loved our math in the past, didn't we, when playing this game? It's It was uh, it was a lot more intense in terms of math when it came to AD&D and, like, second edition. I came in on fourth edition, and so I know a lot of people like to view that as the video game version of D&D. It was a good introduction point for me because then when fifth edition came around, I felt like, ooh, this felt old school, but it also felt familiar to, you know, how I came into the game. So I've I've loved fifth edition and that's why I've been rocking the last five years or so. Well, the thing is, is a lot of people give fourth edition a really bad rep as being the video game version because of the fact that 3.5 was so prominent and had been around for so long Mm -hmm. that when 4th came out, they revamped the game to be more consumer friendly because 3.5 had had gotten so big and so elaborate that... new players were kind of scared to get into it because there was just so much to learn and fourth edition made it really they they simplified it they they made it so that new players would have a lot easier time to get into the game which i congratulate them on like it's how you pull in your audience right so a lot of it comes from that and you know every Mm -hmm. fandom will have their like die hard players and oh i don't like the change and oh this is pandering to the new audiences and us veterans you know so i i think it was a really good way to to introduce <laughs> D to the newer generation and just just keep the game alive well this show is called sidekicks and side quests so i'd like to continue on and ask you do you have a favorite npc from any of your various D campaigns or video games or whatnot and why 
why are they your favorite sidekick or NPC? Absolutely. This, I mean, I could start naming them and then we'd be here for hours and hours. But uh, <laughs> if I had one in particular, it would come from my favorite game of all time, Final Fantasy VII. His name is now... I mean, I'm not exactly sure if this is the proper pronunciation, but it's Buggenhagen, I do believe. Okay. And uh, he's an old man that you meet fairly early in the game, I would say, compared to how big the game is. He's just a type of Deckard Cain type of character. He's a character that is so full of wisdom and knowledge, and mm-hmm. he's just so humble in the way that uh, when you meet him from the very get-go he explains to you like he explains to you the nature of the world like how everything is connected that your actions uh, towards everything have consequences everything you do in life is linked to something else is linked to another life mm-hmm. and you can learn so much from this npc i find in the game and i wish in a way that they would have had him be more prominent within the story, but Mm -hmm. you do go back to him quite a few times throughout the game about the major events that are going on. And uh, yeah, I love the character. He, like, if I had anyone to mentor from in real life, this would be the type of person that I would want to have as a mentor because he's he's just so chock full of wisdom and knowledge, like I said, that I feel like you could learn pretty much anything about the world and how everything is connected just from this one individual. Awesome. And then is there, if I remember your write-up that you provided, do you bring him coffee or something? Actually, that was uh, another uh, character in another game, but it's from the same line of games. It's from the Final Fantasy universe. Oh, I'm sorry. This is our segue into the next question then, which is, what's your favorite side quest from a D&D game or a video game or whatnot, and why is it? your favorite yeah this uh this would have to come from the final fantasy 9 game and it's pretty interesting that i that i would choose for people who are uh, aware of, of this game are fans of the final fantasy 9 game the side quest that i would have to choose as my favorite in an rpg or a video type game would be mr morid's coffee uh okay. this, this is a very small and very subtle side quest in the game it is extremely easy to miss uh mm-hmm. he's actually a character that you find in the world that the game does not bring you to at all so that is why you can miss him very easily he's actually perched up on this mountain cliffside in his little tower he has like a little observatory if you will and uh, he's just this old man you know living out his life and his his name is mr morid and he's got this fascination for coffee as you know much of us in the world do but Mm. uh he you can see him i do believe it's in disc two now this is going back to the playstation one era so we had (laughs) multiple discs to our games so during disc two if i'm not if i'm not mistaken you actually can get an airship in the game that can take you around the world a little bit and if you spot his little tower like off the cliffside you can actually go and land and go to it and speak to him and he talks to you about like his experiences throughout his life and you know his love for coffee and he asks you well if you ever end up finding some rare coffees throughout your journey that he would love to for you to bring it back to him okay so there are three coffees in the world that you can get throughout the game and they are in very very specific times in the game there are i do believe 
two that you can get fairly easy that you can get at the end of disc three. And there's one of them that you have to get at a very precise point in the game. And every time that you bring a coffee to him, he gives you an item and he says thank you. And he tells you how exquisite the coffee is and he explains it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that if you wait too long and make it to disc four without getting all of his coffees, Mr. Mord actually passes away from old age. Oh. So it's it's this sad revelation, you know. I, I do believe it's his, like, granddaughter that shows up at his house and tells you that he's passed away, you know, uh, in his mm-hmm. sleep or something like that. It's, it's, really, it's really cute in, in a way, uh, without being morbid. He gives you items for bringing him his coffees, and there are actually pretty rare items. I do believe the third item is like, this is the only place that you can get it. But I find that this is one of my favorite side quests just because of how humble Mr. Mord is. And, you know, he just he just wants to, to experience, you know, these rare coffees before, you know, the end of his time. And I, I, I find it's just so... It's such a nice little quest, and like I yeah. said, it's so easily missed within the game. I know, and how much more of a life lesson is it where, you know, we if we don't stop to look around at the people around us, like, yeah, go, you know, that nice old man, that nice old lady lives on your block, you know, go have a cup of coffee with them, and maybe they'll give you a rare magic sword before they pass on. Yeah, it, it just, it makes you think of the little things in life, and just take the time to appreciate what you have, because you might not have them for long. Exactly. And finally, as we round out the personal interview section of the show, what are you passionate about and why? Well, there are a few things. I'm a big gamer obviously. Um, <laughs> I, I'm very passionate about gaming. It's been a part of my life since since I can remember. One of my fondest memories was actually uh, when I was a very little kid. Uh, my father and I, we used to sit down in front of the TV after I was done my homework, and uh, we would basically play Tetris or Dr. Mario. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a big uh, believer in being able to teach, like, fundamentals through actual games like problem solving was a big thing my dad was was really into teaching me and uh, he would you know sit me down in front of these games that were basically puzzle games and he'd have me you know go through these things and that's why he also taught me like chess and it was really amazing growing up with that influence mm-hmm. uh so yeah gaming has always been a very big part of my life uh, another thing would have to be the voice acting uh, i've always been sort of like a goofball kind of <laughs> clownish person since i was young so throwing out weird little voices here and there and making people laugh have always been something that i've been really good at and uh, so voice acting kind of came naturally to me mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's like always something that has stuck with me and that I use in my everyday and I just love it you know it's it's a pastime awesome I feel like we're two kindred souls and what do friends do together why they make some NPCs pretty smooth segue there All right, so this is the part of the show where my guest will lead the efforts in uh, creating a NPC character for you to use in your game. So if I'm not mistaken, I believe that my guest has brought an NPC uh, that we'll be sharing today, correct? That's correct. All right, so what is the character's name? My character's name is Ulfar Ragenbjorn. 
What is the ancestry uh, for Ulfar? Uh, Ulfar is a dwarf. He is a stubborn dwarf. <laughs> what is the role or job that Ulfar has in society? Uh, by trade, Ulfar is an experienced blacksmith, uh, ranging from anywhere from uh, metalwork uh, to weaponsmithing and armor smithing. But uh, he is also an experienced fighter. So how old is uh, Ulfar? Uh, Ulfar is 85 years old, which okay. is kind of past mid-age for a dwarf. Dwarves can be up to what, a couple hundred years old in D&D terms. Yeah, in D&D terms, we're usually getting to the end of a dwarf's life uh, around the 150, 160 years, I think. Oh, okay. I think in 5th edition, yeah, it may boost it up even higher, but <laughs> hey, 85 hey, is nothing to uh, snuff at. So describe the physical appearance of uh, Ulfar. Yeah, Ulfar is, uh, well, I wouldn't say your typical dwarf. He uh, he stands at about a 4 feet 5 inches tall, weighs around 200 pounds. Very muscular, stout, rugged dwarf. Long beard, mostly braided, typical of a dwarf that uh, roams around the land it's easy to to maintain if it's mm -hmm. uh braided gets a little bit less dirty um <laughs> but you know on that uh it is adorned with uh some dwarven runic beads uh, that you can see throughout his hair and uh beard uh he's usually you know walking around on his dailies uh with uh, a little bit of uh, studded leather uh average clothing for uh i wouldn't say low society but like uh, your everyday like um tradesman yeah tradesman type of thing uh okay he, um he's usually covered head to toe in some sort of soot or forge dust uh mostly probably from working uh, at the forge all day with iron you know you tend to get a little bit dirty what are the three adjectives that best describe ulfar definitely proud fierce and uh respectful sounds like a proper blacksmith kind of a character proud of his work and fierce in fighting skill and then he's also you know polite to his customers i suppose i would have to say it's even more than that it's he's just naturally polite he he looks to the the better of people so by presenting himself as such he can bring out the good in others what is a valuable item a piece of lore or some secret that ulfar possesses or if it's not that what's like an abstract ideal or concept that Ulfar follows. Uh, Ulfar uh, is actually part of a group that I have created in one of my campaigns called the Guardians of the Iron Kings. Mm -hmm. uh, they are a group of noble dwarves that have passed down quite a lot of knowledge and teachings of very specific dwarven society for generations. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of their main goals is they are followers of Muradin. Uh, I know that the Pantheon has changed over the years a little bit there, but Muradin used right. to be the main dwarf god. So yeah, so they are um, they they pass on the the teachings of Muradin. Ulfar a little bit less on the teachings of Muradin because he's not like a cleric per se, but he is mm -hmm. a uh, he is a stout uh, fighter warrior of uh, Muradin, mm -hmm. and uh, he always keeps a it's like a a pendant, if you will, 
the symbol okay. of the of the guardians with him that was passed down from his father uh, to him when he passed away. And uh, yeah, so he's a he's a stout follower of of them. They are usually comprised of like fighters, paladins, and clerics, um, as in most of the dwarven societies. We'll we'll see. Is there a particular oath or charge that these guardians of the Iron Kings have? Then uh, yeah, they are basically the protectors of the people. They are dispatched throughout the dwarven lands to make sure that uh, any uprisings of like orcs or goblins of the such you know do not interfere with the everyday lives of the dwarven people they are not however considered a king's army they are actually apart from them they they can take orders from the king if it actually is something directly protecting the realm Mm -hmm. but they are apart from his rule interesting so kind of a uh, a body to kind of check the authority correct interesting that's super cool to be part of not necessarily a secret society, but kind of like this noble samurai sort of cast that will go out and protect the dwarven society against outside threats. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What is a particular side quest that he'd be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go on? Well, certainly Ulfar is more of a nomadic member of the Guardians of the Iron Kings. He goes from town to town quite often so it is not too rare for him to actually recruit others especially if there is looming threats that are a little bit more dire if i could say than waiting for more reinforcements from the guardians of other towns so he would definitely recruit other players into helping his cause or even if there are other dwarves that he runs into he could try and recruit them into the the guardians of the iron kings if he sees them as a a, a worthy addition okay So he's a traveling fighter, traveling blacksmith, going from town to town, kind of on a patrol, if you will. And so if he were to appear in someone's game, he would just kind of be like, hey, I need your help. Uh, I'm, I'm busy fighting these things. Come with me and let's go stomp out evil kind of a thing. For sure. Awesome. So then what would be the reward for player characters who go forward with Ulfar to go vanquish the evil that he comes across? Oh, for sure. Uh, he would definitely trade uh, knowledges. Uh, it would be one of his first things. He is a believer of, uh, you know, knowledge and acquisition of knowledge is, is far more worth than actual coin. So, I mean, being such a seasoned adventurer, if you will, he would definitely uh, exchange in stories, uh, knowledge of blacksmithing, armors, weapons, uh, fighting, tactics in battle. If people are more akin to the usual, you know, gold coin, then obviously uh, Ulfar is, uh, I wouldn't say rich, but uh, he's done a, a good a good fair bit of trading over the years that he's gotten some coins to his name so he could probably pay off adventurers uh, for for helping him out that's for sure right he sounds like he would be a valuable resource to go to especially if he's got fighting techniques that he can teach or he can provide blacksmithing services to the players and especially if they continue to be good to him perhaps he'll be able to blacksmith uh, armor and weapons at a reduced cost which players are always i'm sure trying to haggle the lowest price possible exactly so then if a group of player characters refused to aid ulfar or they just kind of flat out ignored him what's going 
going to be the consequence of that? Well, I mean, the way that Ulfar operates is is really with the virtues of the Guardians of the Iron King. So if someone would refuse to to heed the call, if you will, he wouldn't take vengeance upon it. You would probably end up in his on on his dark list, if you will, uh, yeah. for like if ever he bumped into that particular character or group of characters. In the future, like he would probably not overtly help them on something that wasn't, uh, you know, directly in violation of his own code. And consequence of failure, I don't think there would be one because he would see them as, look, you helped me when you didn't have to. And just that alone puts you in his good deeds. Like you went out of your way to help someone else. Okay. If you went to go fight orcs or goblins and the goblins got the better hand and knocked everyone out or they just retreated and then that's a net good in Ulfar's book. But if they're just like, smell you later, and he's just kind of like, hmm, list, like write these guys' names down on my list. And if they're in trouble, not go out of my way to help them or hopefully maybe not as extreme as calling them cowards or something outright in the street. If like a bunch of bad continues to happen and be like oh look you know i'm trying to do all this hard work and protect the town but these cowards over here won't even lift a finger to to help me or something correct like i i don't think it would go so much towards the fact that he would uh refuse to help them uh, of course if it was the same group of adventurers coming and saying like look we just came from a town that was ransacked by orcs we need help fighting them of course he would help them but mm-hmm. if they came asking for like oh we need you know repairs on our gear can you do this for us he would probably you know give them the cold shoulder for that okay well there you go there's some drama there's some tension so hopefully your band of adventurers will see the light and fight on the side of right with ulfar were you wanting to delve deeper into any of these other optional questions or do you feel like we've reached a pretty good point with ulfar that's completely up to you i do not mind at all if you want to keep going what are the goals and motivations then of Ulfar? Uh, Ulfar's goals are pretty simple. He lives his life to the fullest. Uh, so just learning uh, the ways of, of his order is, is always something that he's going to pursue. I mean, he is, like I said before, he's not uh, inherently a cleric. So learning in the magical ways of Muradin is not something that he is going to go to, but learning about his order, the history of his peoples are always something that interests him. And then how do these goals and motivations affect his general personality he usually keeps to himself he's probably always wrapped up in doing his own work but he will go out of his way sometime to like if he sees like a a child struggling with something or someone who is in need uh, of learning he'll go out of his way to help them out for sure he is someone that does have quite a lot of uh, knowledge in his profession just the way of life and how things are in the world that that he would seek to help someone get in a a foot on the competition if you will and then is there any particular manner or way that Ulfar interacts with different people or does he just have a general way that he speaks and acts he he's very um cautious in a way he always approaches situations with a kind of like a militaristic 
tactful thinking of uh, of doing things mm-hmm. and he can be pretty straightforward he doesn't feel that he needs to hide things from others people know what he's about but that can also get him into a little bit of trouble here and there whereas uh, people like rogues usually tend to get the upper hand on him because he's so straightforward that people know what to do or what to say to get around that that type of mentality he he's been had by a few rogues in the past and he he tends to not like it too much yeah i i don't think many people like being tricked out of their personal finances and stuff exactly is there a particular accent or or language or way of speaking idiosyncratically well like i said he keeps to himself a lot so he's not outgoing in terms of conversation though he will speak his mind sometimes he does use a little bit of dwarven slang but that's just because he's been around dwarves mostly all of his life like he's not one to travel really far out of the dwarven lands so he might seem a little uptight maybe to other individuals like maybe humans especially elves obviously elves being such proper uh in nature and dwarves just being general almost guttural in a in a sense towards elves but uh he doesn't have a particular accent he does have a a large uh speech language he does use dwarven a lot he'll throw the common out every now and then when he has to so what impact has Ulfar made on the world? How has he shaped the local area? Well, I mean, he takes himself as part of the Guardians of the Iron Kings as an entity, right? So he doesn't put his achievements just solely on himself, but his order. So, you know, constantly fighting against undead coming from the mountains, uh, the swampy areas, the goblins, the gnolls, and even orcs, keeping them at bay. So it brings peace to to the towns in his land and he's he's grateful for for that because it, it everyone flourishes nice and then are there any current problems that prevent Ulfar from having a bigger part to play on the stage? Yeah, because of that, he feels that, well, what we said earlier there uh, about uh, his achievements, he feels that if he travels too far from his lands, that he will not be able to be assistance of the Guardians of the Iron Kings if ever there was a call to arm for any particular situation, maybe an uprising of orcs or something like that, that threatened the, the very way of life in his hometown so it's probably why he hasn't uh, been to uh, i don't know let's say a dragon's lair or something like that all right well i think we have painted quite the picture uh, about ulfar and so i think it's right and proper now to throw ulfar into a random encounter So now this is the part where we do a short roleplay exercise. So I will ask my guest to embody Ulfar. And then I suppose that I'm going to be playing the part of Duncan, who's my just generic everyman adventurer human, who will, I guess, come across Ulfar. And perhaps Ulfar will be there to offer a quest. Sure. All right. All right. My boy, are my arms tired. After digging, helping to dig that two-mile-long trench so that intelligent boat could get to the ocean. Well, I think I'm uh, happily I can smell the wafting air of baking bread, and I'm here in a new town, and uh, I'm just just ready to hopefully take it easy. Uh, But, oh, I see. Who's this that's quickly approaching me? Who... Uh, uh, hello, good sir. How are you doing this fine day? Hello, sir. 
What brings you to this part of town? Oh, well, you know, I was just over uh, at the at the other village uh, helping out the orphanage and helping an intelligent boat uh, be able to make its way to the ocean. So, whew, my arms sure are tired. Mm, always a respect for a fellow craftsmen. Oh, you were helping the orphanage, I see. That's good of you. It's good to have more uh, handy people around here. Yes, that, uh, that Tavish is certainly a character, I'll say. Hmm, quite. So, are you looking for th- anything in particular? May I assist you? I am a blacksmith of, uh, my own trade. Ooh, well, uh, I certainly could use an upgrade. I know my, uh, my shield and my blade have, uh, certainly seen better days, but it, it seems like, uh, maybe... You need help with something? Maybe we could work out a a deal for a discount on uh, upgrade to my arms and armor then. Hmm, absolutely. See, I was just on my way out to my local uh, digging hole, if you will, as some people call it. Uh, it I had some ingots that I needed to bring back. Uh, But, alas, my cart that I usually use has sprung sort of a technical problem with one of the wheels. Ah, And right ah. now I need to install a new one. Would you be kindly as to give me a hand and help me bring these ingots back to my shop? Sure, of course. Let's, uh, let's tally forth. Mm, perfect. It's always good to have a, an extra set of hands to help me with these things. They could get pretty heavy. Indeed, indeed. Make our way towards the, uh, the digging hole and you can absolutely see the cart on, uh, one wheel as the other one had snapped in half. Oh, boy. And then... As Matt Colville would say, orcs attack. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and see, so then I suppose as we head into the final thoughts here of the show, so what did you think about this particular experience? I I love it. I mean, it's it's an escape from, from the real world and people who are, are very imagination-driven, if you will. I find that D&D is the absolute best uh, outlet for, for them. You can think of pretty much everything and anything. And uh, again, it's a great way to to meet new people meeting you was absolutely uh amazing and yeah i appreciate it and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to become a guest on my show so where can people find you on the internets and what projects and other things do you want to plug here for our listeners to go check out yeah sure uh well the big project that i have going now is the uh the fallout uh, 76 podcast that i have called chad uh, Fallout uh, 76 podcast. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we basically try to um, bring out an episode once a month. It has been a little bit slow ever since Bethesda Game Days because we have been quite busy with that. Right. Everything that's come out of that as well. But yeah, uh, I, I'm on there. Uh, we've got an amazing story and an amazing cast. And uh, we've got some pretty big projects coming up. Uh, that I can't really talk about, but... Uh, of course, of course. It, it, if you're into the whole Fallout universe, especially uh, we use the setting for Fallout 76, uh, I would definitely uh, check us out. You can find us on YouTube, uh, Facebook, pretty much every social media. Just, you know, search Chad, a Fallout 76 uh, story or podcast, and uh, you'll find it. Awesome. And, and, and anything else that you... Uh like a voice acting reel or so, so people can find you and hire you for uh, their voice acting needs? I have an Instagram that I post. It's the underscore Canadian underscore voices. Okay. 
Whenever you can catch me, I also do streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Osiris underscore gaming. All right. Well, this is awesome. I've uh, I've had the opportunity to speak to two Canadians here very close back to back together. So now I just I can't wait for all the listenership to explode in Canada as two of their favorite sons have been guests now on my podcast. Well, like I said, it's been a pleasure doing this. And uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. You- Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, https colon forward slash forward slash sidekicksandsidequests.com for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the podcast. To stay up to date and share your fan creations, you can like and follow the podcast on social media by searching for at Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. The podcast is also on Reddit, so join our subreddit community at r slash Podcast to share your art, stories, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests, all one word, at gmail.com. I ask that you please leave an honest review on iTunes to help spread the word about the show. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!